the body of Christ, the unity of the body of Christ is so important. In the book of Acts, there's a scripture that says so much. It's small, but it says so much. It says they had all things in common. And I know in the book of Acts, they sold their possessions. They developed a commune. I believe with the desire to be one with one another, they had saw that by the Lord, they were one with one another. And I, you know, I by no means would go and tell people to sell all you have and, and so forth. I mean, if God dealt with that, so be it. But my point is that oneness in the church, I believe, was where the power proceeded out of. They weren't divided. for the most part. And what we have today in the church system is we have fragments, division. Apostle Paul told him in one place, there's many sick among you because you do not discern the body of the Lord. Uh, it's a big deal to concern the body of Christ. I don't discern his body. What does that mean? I don't discern his body. I don't understand. I don't see the unity that the Lord brought us into. I don't comprehend it. Therefore, because I don't comprehend it, I believe we're all divided. I shared this this morning, a brother and I that I had fellowship with came to a place where we didn't agree in some teaching. He had a view on a subject and I had a different view. And he wrote me and he said, if two are not agreed, they can't be together. And I wrote him back and I said, brother, we are agreed. We are both in Christ. Our agreement's not in teachings. Our agreement's in a person, the person of the Lord. That will change the world. When the church understands it's the body of Christ, it's not a Presbyterian body or a Pentecostal body. It's the body of the Lord. That God himself dwells in us. That will change and affect the world. In 2 Corinthians, where we were last week, we read last week here, and we're going to read here tonight for a moment. 
2 Corinthians 5, says, verse 14, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again, Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, or all things are God are of God, who have reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and have given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and have committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray that you in Christ's stead be you reconciled to God. For he had made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And I told you one of the definitions of reconciliation is an exchange. And verse 21 tells us the exchange, for he had made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, honey, that's an exchange. He knew no sin. The just for the unjust. And the purpose of that is that we don't live to ourselves. See, the whole purpose of reconciliation is bringing us to God. Now, when I say bringing us to God, that does that mean we just come to God, to God's presence? We could say that's a start. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And we could say that's a start to be aware of the presence of God. That's a good start. The whole church will become aware of the presence of God, that God is in them, that Christ lives in them. That'd be a very good start. But when you dig into these words, when you dig into this thought to bring us to God, we could say to the nature he is, to bring us from the earth to the heavens, to bring us from the natural man to the heavenly man, to bring us from a heart and mind that knew sin and death to a heart and mind that knows righteousness and life. So that's what I mean with being brought to God. And on the surface, we come to God. We're, we're able to come into the presence of God on the surface of that understanding. 
But then as we dig into that understanding, it's, it's bigger than the surface. It's coming into what he is, who he is, how he is. And we do that through the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's how we do that. That's how he is. That's what he is. That's how his nature's made known. And we are the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we should all comprehend this, should express him. Now, flip over to the book of John. We're going to read a few scriptures in John. We read this, I believe, last week as well. But we're going to read it again. John 5, verse, I believe we want to start with 18. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself. And that wicked one toucheth him not. And we know that we are of God. And the whole world lieth in wickedness. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him that is true. And we are in him that is true. In his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. I always like when the apostles write something that doesn't seem to fit in a passage of Scripture. Little children, keep yourself from idols. <laughs> you know, you read that. And he says, keep yourself from idols. There's something to consider. He just throws it in there. This is the true God and eternal life. So I guess if we're declaring anything but Christ, we may, in fact, be declaring something that's not true and something that's not eternal life. Okay, we'll just let that go there. But we know the whole world is in wickedness. Now, this word wickedness means, what does it mean? It means pain-ridden, agonies. Bad, toilsome. Comes from a word, it's a Greek word 4190 in the Strongs. It comes from a word 4192 that means pain, laborious trouble. So the whole world lies in pain ridden agony. Now that's a little bit stronger than just wickedness. 
pain-ridden agony. The whole world laugh in badness. To be good cheer, Jesus said, I have overcome the world. Now that's pretty good cheer, right? So through him, we're not in pain, ridden agony, because he has overcome the world, and I'm in him. Now, 1 John 2, 17 says, And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. The world passeth away. That doesn't mean the globe. Or it doesn't just mean the globe. I don't personally think it means the globe at all, but we'll let that go for now. The world, the pain, ridden agony, the wickedness, the badness passes away and its lust. But he that doeth the will of God abides forever. And we know who did the will of God was Christ. So we know that in Christ, we have life and have it in abundance. And in him, see in him, this is real. The passing of the world, the passing of lust, and the bringing forth of life is in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, 1 John 3, 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called sons of God. Therefore, the world knows us not. Does that mean the globe doesn't know us? No. The world, the people of the world, why do they not know us? Because they know not him. I know it's interpreted because it knew not him. But I looked it up, and it could, and from what I could see, it could have been interpreted, knows not him. So in order to know us, you would have to know him. Because our union is Christ. Our relationship is him. We are the body of Christ. I guess we got a theme going here tonight. We are his body. So the world doesn't know us because we're not of the world. That's what Jesus told us. You are in the world, but you're not of the world. Now we're building on something. We're going to get into it here in a moment. Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2. Verse 1. And you hath he quickened. Made alive, you have been made alive who were dead in trespass and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course, that word course is age, of this world. Age of the world, way age of the cosmos. The word world here we're dealing with is cosmos. And it means orderly arrangement. So the arrangement or adornment of this world, he tells you here, 
is according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of, by, of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we're dead in sins, hath made us alive with Christ. By grace you are saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show his exceeding richness of his grace and his kindness toward us. Through Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works which God have before, or not of works lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship or his work, created in Christ unto Christ's works, good works. But we know good works weren't our works to the works of God, to the works of Christ, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. So, he, so here you have time past walking according to the course of the world, the arrangement of the world, okay? And that's according to the prince of the power of the air. So the prince of the power of the air, I, just a thought, to, not getting into this tonight, but going to present it as a thought. Apostle Paul talks about being caught up with the Lord in the air. And there's something, you got a prince of the air, and now you have the Lord in the air. Just a thought. The surrounding. Where's the air at? The atmosphere, you could look at it as the atmosphere of the spirit of disobedience, course of this world, but we've been quickened, raised, seated in another atmosphere, right? A heavenly atmosphere. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. That's where we're at. Now, I told you we're building on something, so let's keep going. The whole world, John says, lies in wickedness. And we are to reconcile the world to God. Or tell the world to be reconciled that Christ has reconciled us. However we say that, in Matthew 6, I'm debating of whether to read both of the places. I'll, I'll read verse 19, and then I'll go backwards if I need to. Well, I'll, I'll start with verse 9. I, I'm not going to get away from it. The, what we call the Lord's Prayer, and then we're going to go to verse 19 after we finish what we call the Lord's Prayer. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. 
Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. That's not to walk according to the prince of the power of the air. <laughs> Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Maybe this daily bread has something to do with how we're going to walk if we eat of this bread instead of everything of the world. Forgive us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's the word wickedness. Deliver us from wickedness, badness, toilsome agony. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. Now I'll just come down to verse 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures up on earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, here's where I want to go. Thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, and again, this is the same word as wickedness, thy whole body, therefore, shall be full of darkness. If thine eye be single, if thine eye be single, what does he mean? If your eye, not eyes, but eye, the eye of your heart, The inside of you, the inner perception, if it's single, your whole body will be full of light. Now, what in the world does he mean? Now, if I have a single eye, a single understanding, Okay, light deals with understanding in the Bible. If I have a single understanding, that understanding being single would be that I'm in Christ. And everything that's in Christ would be applied to me. Everything that's in him, if I'm in him, and of his fullness I have received, everything of him is applied to me. So I'm eating daily of that bread that came down from heaven to do the will of God, who is Jesus Christ the Lord, that I'm built up in him. So I can overcome the wicked one through him that lives in me. For greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. How do I become mindful of him that is in me? 
Simplicity. I believe it has to do with what we feed on. If we feed on him, we become single-minded. Set your affection on things above where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. See, Paul gives some specific instructions to the church. Set your heart, the affection of your heart, the affection of your being upon things above. That doesn't mean way up in the sky above. That means the things of Christ. That's what's above. He says, I am from where? Above. In the book of John, he says, and you are from below. But now we're not from below because we've been born from above. So our affection needs to move from below to above. Where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. Where Christ is the authority of God. So in all situations, we're speaking of that of Christ, who is the authority of God. And if we understand him as the authority of God, we're declaring that in all situations that we're in. For we're a written epistle. What does an epistle do? It declares something, right? A written epistle, if it just lays in a page and it's shut up, Right? If you take your Bible, and I'm looking behind me the wrong way, I've got books back here. I've got Bibles back here. I've got a whole bunch of them here on my computer that I'm speaking to you from. But if they're not open, that ain't a living epistle. Right? Not even to me because it's not open. So we're living epistles written by the ink of the Spirit of God, written by the hand of God. And how we're written is through him, through the revelation of Christ, who is revealed in us. And he's writing in us what we are. So that's what John said. We know not what we shall be, but when he appears, when he's written, we shall be like him, or when he's revealed. I'm not sure. Sometimes I think it's all already been written in my heart. It just ain't been revealed. So I'm not sure the right way to say this. So I just say it out there because we have received his fullness. Of his fullness, we have received. So God has written in us. See, remember when God come to the woman caught in adultery. You notice I said God because God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. So when God come to the woman in adultery, he told the woman to go and sin no more, and he wrote in the earth. Now, we've done that out of the law. Go sin no more. But God's finger touched the earth. Jesus was God manifest in the flesh, so God himself was touching humanity in order to empower them to not live after that course of this world. 
Hallelujah. See, he has written in us the word of life. So when we open the book, talking about you and I, and declare him who's been written in, it's going to give life. It's going to be a ministry of reconciliation because you're going to declare the just for the unjust. It's going to be by the Spirit of God. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God because he lives in you and greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. But if I don't understand him, so this is how the world keeps overcoming us, is I don't understand him. I don't understand the victory he won. So I'm not declaring to the world the victory he won. A lot of times I'm declaring the defeat that I perceive. That's why Paul says, set your affection not on things on the earth. You ever think things on the earth might be yourself? <laughs> I mean, they can be other things, but your life is hid with Christ in God. Your life's not earthly. Your life is heavenly. So here, if my eye is single, my understanding is according to that of God, that, that God understands of me, knowing as I am known, being no, uh, knowing as God knows me. And I'm declaring that into situations. I'm declaring that into the world. See, we're not to be couch potato Christians. We're to be a living epistle written and read of all men. Ambassadors of God to the world, ambassadors of Christ. That ain't couch potatoes. Go ye into the world. <laughs> Converting the world. Converting the nations of the world. Because Jesus already defeated every power. See, we, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to close here, but this is, this is important. We, to a certain extent in the church, got wrapped up in politics. And I'm not telling you not to vote. I vote. I'm going to vote. Not against voting. But see... The scripture says, overcome evil with good. There's only one good, and that is God. So how we overcome evil is not to fight with the world. Because Peter tried to do that. He took his sword out and cut off Malchus' ear because he was at war with the world. But Jesus overcome the world through the cross. See, the goodness of God lead up to repentance, right? The goodness of God, declaring the goodness of God, not fighting, not, not disputes with the world. 
but sharing the goodness of God, sharing the love of Christ. Now that's good news. Because his goodness overcome evil with what? With good. What's good? That of God. That of yourself's evil anyway. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying you're evil because you're of God now, but that of yourself, if you're trying to convince the world with that of yourself and not with that of the Lord. Right? And that's what I see sometimes. The church is in this mindset. We've got to fight the world. Well, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. What pulled down every stronghold? The cross of Jesus Christ. Did it not pull them all down? Did he not triumph? openly over every power principality and power strength dominion sure he did so what i need to share with the world is what he's done and what we are by him now that's a living epistle we're sharing Yes, with one another, but we're declaring this in the world because it were written and read of all men. Well, we'll have to leave that alone for now, or stop for now. I don't. I ain't gonna leave it alone. It's the wrong terminology. But we're gonna plow on through this. Glory to God. I'm gonna stop right here, and before I start. With everybody, I'm going to ask you a couple. Well, I'll do this at the end. I'm going to stop right here, and I'll then ask you all some questions at the end. 